0: Shabbat Shalom. I'm super excited because I just had confirmation about something that I was kind of concerned about. I don't celebrate Halloween, right? I stopped in 2016 when I just did my research. It disrespects the Lord. I don't do it, right? I won't participate in it and I haven't since 2016. Yesterday I was actually at work and I was making lattes, right? Because I'm I'm working at a coffee shop right now. And a lady came up to me and she was like trying to give me this skeleton customer, like to put on my apron, like here, happy Halloween, wear this. And I, I mean, it I very politely said, Oh, thank you. That's so nice of you. But I don't part. I don't celebrate Halloween. But I really appreciate you know your kindness and then she oh okay no worries I don't celebrate it right like I can be around like I'll probably I think I work on Halloween I'm probably going to go there and I'm sure there's going to be people that are going to be dressed up and there's going to be people coming in in weird costumes like I'm fine with that just I'm not going to participate in it right like I can't control what other people are doing around me You just won't see me with some big giant you know lit up whistle orange whistle running around with a pumpkin on my face and what's super funny about this is that it truly bothers people i don't know why but it bothers people that i don't celebrate it like i remember in 2017 i was working in an office And they were doing this big, giant Halloween dress-up potluck. And I was like, ugh, I have vacation time. I'm just going to avoid it, right? And I took the day off. I'm not going to say anything. I just know that it's going to be uncomfortable to work around all that nonsense. And I'm just going to just kindly excuse myself from the whole thing. And I showed up on November 1st, the very next day, and my whole desk was completely decorated in Halloween stuff. Like they, like knowing that the reason that I took the day off was because I don't celebrate Halloween. I think there was cobwebs on my chair. There was all kinds of stuff. There was a card that said, may you find God on this dark and spooky night. Like it was like they went all out. But after I told them I don't celebrate, My sister, I love my sister, she is a very big Halloween woman, right? Like, I grew up with Halloween, so it's not like it's something that I've never participated in. And literally, their house is more decorated on Halloween than it is on Christmas, when I was staying with her, she was even like, yeah, I would like, you know, you to, like, move out by October 1st because we know how you feel about Halloween. Like, I don't celebrate it, right? So she didn't want me to ruin her festivity by me being there. And, you know, my nieces, since the day that they were born, they know Auntie Dana. They call me Ba Humbug, by the way. Ball humbug, Auntie Dana. Ball humbug. Because they also know I don't celebrate Christmas, right? I'm the ball humbug, Auntie. That they love, but you know, that's what they call me. And every single year, right? My dad goes to my sister's every Halloween. And they drink drinks and cocktails. And they pass out candy. And it's this really big deal. And every single year... They bring it up to me and every single year I say no I don't celebrate Halloween my last Halloween was in 2015 I was the black widow yeah it was a real like you know I don't dress like that anymore spike heels, spandex pants and a gun you know like no but it's just interesting because it's like, you know, I'm trying to work on myself. I've been talking to the Lord. Like, I'm trying to work on myself. Like, I don't mean to hurt people's feelings. I don't. Like, I don't intentionally in my mind, like, sit there and go, I really want to hurt this person's feelings. I I don't mean to, right? And I'm trying. I prayed to the Lord and I said, Lord, help me be more sensitive to the feelings of others. Like, help me. To, like, when I feel, like, when I say something and I unknowingly don't realize that I'm being, you know, rude or I unknowingly don't realize that I'm coming off in a certain way. Like, tell me, right? But the fact is, is, like, if you talk and you express yourself, no matter what, you're going to offend somebody. Like, I could say, like, I don't eat meat, right? Because I think it's full of vaccines, antibiotics. It's unhealthy. And I don't think, you know, and I just think it's gross. Like, I don't want to eat it. So if I say that publicly, I'm gonna offend butchers, I'm gonna offend the people that raise cattle, right? If I tell you that I go to the nail shop and I don't like plastic fake nails, I did when I was 14, 14, 16, I think till I was 18, I like those fake nails. I don't like them as an adult, right? I don't wanna put tattooed pumpkins and sparkles and bats on my nails. Like I just, it's not appealing to me. I don't like it, right? But if I say that, I'm going to offend somebody. Even though it's like, if you like it, great. I don't, right? You remember Martin Lawrence, like way back in the day when I watched TV? Shenene, you know, them curvy looking. Like, I don't like that. Bright neon orange. But it's like, no matter... I I'm just recognizing this, like how I'm trying to be more sensitive to others. It's like if you know somebody doesn't like something, and they've told you for six years, I don't do that and I don't like it. Why would you keep bringing it up in front of them intentionally, right? Like even with my with my nieces, like they'll come up to me since they were really little. And they'll bring me halloween books right and auntie will say oh i would love to read to you but you know what this looks scary to me let me pick something else right i do the same with christmas books oh i would love to read to you but you know what this one i I, i'm I'm scared of this 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 thing kind of freaks me out I, i let's get something else and i just think you know at some point like you know i don't want to read that right Or with my sister, it's like, you know, can you babysit the kids? Like, I'm going to a Halloween party with my friend and her husband, right? Or her boyfriend. Why can't you just tell me you need me to watch the kids? Like, why do you have to throw in that it's so that you can go to a Halloween party, right? And then my dad leaves me a voicemail and he's like, wants to tell me in the voicemail, he has plans. He's making appearance on Halloween. He's going there. They're going to do all this. And he's telling me this on a voicemail, like knowing that I don't celebrate it. Like, why are you telling me this? You explain this to me every year and every year I don't go. It was like, it was Sabbath. I want to say like mm, a month ago. It was Sabbath. It was nighttime. It was Sabbath. And my brother-in-law asked me for help real quick. Because he said, like, he's like, my the ladder's moving, right? So I go outside, and I'm holding this ladder. And then I, it dawns on me. I'm holding this ladder so that he can put up orange Halloween lights. It's the Sabbath. And I started to feel emotionally afflicted. Like, this is disrespectful to the Lord. Like, could you imagine people taking a picture of me on the street? And I'm sitting there holding a ladder so you could put pumpkins up. Like, you know, I just... And so I called out for my sister. Hey, Dina, Mike needs your help. <laughs> like, you just, it, like, I'm, this is who I am. I'm a strange, unique person, right? I, I think we all are in some way. These are, these are, this, these are the things that, you know. And I don't hate people. I'm not, like, sitting there, like, I'm just saying I don't personally want to participate in this event, Right. But rather than it being okay, it's like, you want to keep bringing it up in my presence. Like, just why? It's not necessary. And it's usually typical, like, at least once a year. I'm going to be honest. Once a year, around the holiday seasons, I'll make some kind of pu- public comment about how I feel about, the, you know, about the saint, the about the fat saint that, that rolls around magically and kids leaving him cookie offerings and how i despise it and i think it's disrespectful to the lord like i publicly stated at least one time during the season if you went to my last job and asked my coworkers about me during the holidays ask my former boss ask the people that sat around me how did how did how did she act during the holidays right And there's not probably going to be one person that sat, like, in the same vicinity of me that would tell you that she will not receive chocolate-covered trees. If she did, I think one time I gave it to the lady next to me. Like, I don't do it. I won't eat chocolate if there's a fat saint on it. I won't eat it. You know, I don't. And if you give me a present during the holidays, I'll hand it back and say I can't receive it. Like, that's how I roll. I don't do it. You could give me a brand new car and park it outside and say, Merry Christmas, and I'll say, I'm sorry I can't receive this. I'm not joking. You have to say it like, Good job, right? But make sure the gift card doesn't have a tree on it, right? This is a year in bonus, not a Christmas bonus, right? I'd like to give you a gift card because you did really well this year. That's fine. Please don't put a fat saint or a tree on it, right? And if you want to give me a box of chocolates, do not do it before Christmas, right? Just wait till after January. It's reduced price. I love chocolate. No holiday trees, no saints. Nothing like that on it, please. Just a regular box of seized chocolates. I'll eat them all. And then so I feel like, you know, funny about birthdays, right? Because I tried for two years to not do birthdays because I'm like, ew, it's, it's it's a pagan tradition of men. And so my sister knows I love my nieces. Like, I love my son and I love my nieces, right? So my sister, I think it was my second year, I was like, don't celebrate my birthday. Don't. And so then my sister uses my nieces, right? She invites me over and she's like, your nieces made you this cake, right? Like they did. They literally like helped their mom bake me this cake, right? And they're so cute. Like you don't even know and so they're super excited. They're like, Auntie Dana, we baked you this cake. And I'm just thinking, okay, what do you want me to do, Lord? I'm going to look at these little girls. I mean, they were super little at that time, I think. They were young. And be like, Auntie Dana doesn't celebrate her birthday. I know you baked this out of out of love for me, and I'm not going to eat a piece of this cake. Right? And so I kind of got lured back in. I even got this cute message like where my nieces were singing to me and they were like, we love you, auntie. And it was super cute, right? Like it it really like lifted my heart. And then it was like on their birthdays, auntie loves them and my son. And I'm like, I don't want to miss your birthday. Like, you know what I mean? Like. The only one that doesn't show up is, is this one, right? And so then I was like, well, what makes the birthday evil? And I'm like, well, it's the candle magic, right? Because the whole thing of, of singing happy birthday and the chanting around the person while you light the candle, while they close their eyes, while they're making the wish, that is actually a candle magic practice, right? So then I was like, you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging, hey, you were born today and I love you. I'm so blessed that you came into this world, right? But then I was like, I'm going to avoid, I won't blow out candles on a cake. Like, I don't do it. I won't participate in that. But then this one year, I'm at my sister's and it's my niece's birthday. And my mom, when she was alive, she used to have this extra addition singing the birthday song only my mom did it it's like this may you have many more may you have many more may you have many more right like she added this thing to it and ever since she died it's like that tradition has died she died in 2015 she was only 51, and I really don't think she should have died, but she died. And so my sister, I think, started singing a little bit of it, and nobody else was singing with her. And I just couldn't help but but, but join in, right? Because I knew what she was doing. She was trying to, like, you know, bring mom back into it. And then I'm afflicted because I'm singing happy birthday, right? So a lot of times, like at the birthday parties, I'll close my mouth or I'll sit, like, you know, or I'll try to walk towards the very, very back end, right? But then I'll maybe I'll take a picture and then I feel like I'm participating. It's this struggle that I have. But then I'm like, okay, so everybody knows that I've converted in thought to Judaism. Like, I'm not a, a, you know, converted Jew. Like, I didn't do any special ceremony. I'm not, you know... In thought, I just agree with Judaism, right? Like, I think scripturally, I check the argument. It is the most sound and the most valid that I found. And so I'm just leaving it there, right? I think they call it Noahides, Beni Noahs. They're people that want to, you know, um, obey the Lord's commandments. But, like, yeah... That's it. Like you're not a Jew, you're a Noahide. You you want to live your life and obey the the commands of the Lord and you accept the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of Israel as your Lord and your savior. That's what you believe, right? But I don't want to put a label on myself. Like I just don't think it's necessary. I this is, you know, I looked at the scriptural arguments and this one wins. That's it. I love the Lord with all my heart, mind, and soul, even above, like, everything else. And so I think that in my mind, to respect my Lord, this is how I do it. I believe that everybody has a right to agree to disagree, and we should have peace, right? And be kind to each other and respect each other, right? But then there's some people that want you to be on the group think bus and it makes them angry if you're not on board with them. I think psychologically this is because they're insecure about their beliefs. They probably inherited them. They never read the Bible. They never checked it. And so you are making them question their beliefs But if you are sound in your beliefs, meaning like there's a lot of Christians that read the Bible cover to cover and they stay Christians. There are a lot of Jews that read the Bible cover to cover and they stay Jewish, right? So we have to agree to disagree, right? You come to your opinion based on the scripture and what you see is sound doctrine and I come to my conclusion. And I believe I'm a very legally minded thinker as far as prove it in the text. You know, it doesn't say that, right? It's like when you read a contract. No, it it doesn't say that, right? And there's no kind of like delusional story that you're going to come up with that's going to convince me if it doesn't say that, right? Yet still, even when you hear the debates of Jews for Judaism debating Christians, it's the same arguments repetitively. If you've heard one, you've heard them all. Does it say that in the Hebrew scriptures? No, but this really, really, really influential person from like hundreds of years ago thinks this. So you should too. I don't want to base my salvation on that. Group think believes this, you should think it too. I did my homework. I thought it was important enough to do my homework. I unwound a bunch of manipulation and fear campaigns and all this stuff that my mind was wound up with and this is the conclusion that I've come to, right? It's like the Trinity concept is a very, very sensitive... People will, like, never even read the Bible, will go dumb over just the Trinity concept alone. And why did Lucifer get thrown out of heaven? He was an angel of light, and he was well-favored by the Lord. He really, like, you know... He had a high position, but he wanted to equal himself to the Lord. He wanted to be right there. And the Lord said no and threw him out of heaven. And the scripture even says, oh Lucifer, thou fallen from heaven. Like you're trying to equate yourself to the likeness of the Holy One, right? And here comes the Trinitarian concept where you're trying to equate man and spirit and Hashem Hashem is a spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. There's only one. I'm a monotheistic believer. There's one. Like, that is a serious offense to get into terminology that's completely pagan in order to bring unity and love by disrespecting the Lord to a kingdom by merging paganism with israel like you can't do that and we're supposed to look at this concept and they get real technical and serious no they're one person no 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 no. i will not equate man with the lord i will not equate anything into the likeness that there is one Holy Spirit. There's one God. I don't need to hear your characteristic description. Uh, there's one. And Lucifer wanted to equate himself to Lord. That's disrespectful. It is insanely disrespectful. I don't want to hear the term. I don't want to discuss it. It's not in the Hebrew scriptures. And I don't care what you think and what you say. There's only one, one Lord. He is the Spirit. He's the only Spirit. You can't deny the Holy Spirit. Because in order to deny the Holy Spirit, you would deny the one God. There's only one. And if you get persecuted for that, well, I receive it. Because it's the truth. And if they're going to attack my finances because of that, well, I receive it. Hallelujah, Lord, because it's the truth. Last night I was thinking about Esther. I was, like, in the shower and I was thinking about Esther. I forget what came up, but, like, oh. I was thinking about the purification process. Like, when Esther, before she met the king with all the other women, he wanted a new wife. Because his wife wouldn't go to some... Um, feast or something and and do what he said so he wants a new wife these women had to undergo a one-year 12-month purification process like where they bathe them in fine oils and like like you have to be prepared for a year before you can even go into the king's presence you think about like i've i've read in a magazine before like I forget which actress spent $5,000 just to get her eyebrows waxed by like this like mat, like artist, right? $5,000 to get waxed eyebrows. Like you're thinking about the, the finest of the fine when it comes to your hair, fashion, beauty uh, medical, I mean, everything, like, you know, if you had a spot on your face, they're going to give you the $600 peel to take it off, right? And I kind of wondered, like, I wonder what I would look like if I was covered in all that money, like, just, just wondering, like, if what they would do to you and, like, what you would look like. Like, if you can look remotely good and be poor, right? Like, what would you look like if you had the creme de la creme of, of money smeared all over you? And I was thinking about how that would be an interesting show. Like, you take poor people and, like, you, like, get the top designers, the top, you know, skin aestheticians, hair people, all of that, and you make them look like this is the best you could possibly ever look with money smeared all over you. And take a picture. Like you see celebrities, singers, superstars, actresses. They are at the epitome. That's the best they could ever look, right? They have money smeared all over them. And then so I was like, you know, I wanted to check what verse when I got out of the shower about Esther. And I started reading Esther again. And I was like, wow, she had favor, right? Like it said she was fair, she was beautiful, and she had favor, No amount of money can give you Lord's favor, right? Like, you could have millions and millions of dollars, but if you have the favor of the Lord, like, he can make it so, like, people look at you and just start smiling, right? He could make it so you could have, like, nothing more than a cardboard box, and he could give you, like, a logo or some kind of, like, you know, some kind of, what is it, tagline, some kind of thing to say, right? That's so profound That you could stand like a homeless person with this great big piece of cardboard and this really profound statement. And you could be standing next to a multi-million dollar billboard. It has flashing lights around it. It's got models. It's got all kinds of stuff. And the Lord could give you favor To where your itty-bitty little cardboard sign with your profound statement screams far louder than anything that money can buy. And I'm just thinking, wow, Lord, I need some favor in my life. I need your favor, right? Because if I have your favor, the scripture said she got favor, like, with all the people, and then she got favor with the king. Like, she got favor favor with the king like he met all these women but this but but Esther right and she doesn't tell him that she's a Jew he has no idea that his beloved new wife is Jewish and what I was really thinking about was how she fast because Mordecai is in trouble And it's, like, her uncle that adopted her and and her people. Like, like this guy that's, like, the right hand to her husband, the king, wants to kill her people. And so he's very close to the king, her husband. And so she decides that she's going to risk her life. Like, you're not supposed to just show up in the king's presence. Like, it's illegal and disrespectful, I guess. And she's like, I'm going to approach my husband, the king... And I'm going to ask him basically to save my people from this evil man. And so Esther and her maids fast for three days. They don't drink water. They don't eat food for three days. All fasts in the Bible included no water. You don't water fast. No water, no food. Except for the Daniel fast. That was the one exception. But anyways. And so what's interesting to me is that I was thinking about this. I'm like... She's afraid to approach her husband, right? This is not just the king. You're married to him. This is your husband. Like, I understand he's powerful and he can kill people, but he's your husband, right? How many men who are powerful, like your wife never bothers you, and she comes into your presence one time because she's concerned about something. How many powerful men would kill their wife who never bugs them because she's severely concerned about something. Like, I just don't see that as being logical to be that concerned and that scared, but maybe he's, I don't know. And something interesting that I was thinking about, about Esther is that it's like, almost like she doesn't see herself as having like, as worthiness, like as having worth, because it's like, this man picked you out of a bunch of women to be his wife. She was adopted, right? I mean, she she had no parents, so maybe that left her as, like, her value wasn't that great. I don't understand. But she's fearful. And then she goes and she approaches her husband. And he's like, whatever you want is yours. Like, whatever you want. You know? Like, I'll do whatever you want. Like, he seems to me to be madly in love with her. Like, he's willing to do whatever she wants. And so she has a feast, she has, you know, like, she she doesn't just, like, flat out tell him, like, you know, let's have some wine, they have a feast. Then she, she tells, you know, her husband that the person, she says basically she's Jewish, and that there's a man that wants to hurt her people. And he's like, well, who is this person? And she t- tells him it's, like, the best right-hand man that he has. And he literally the same place that this guy was going to hang her uncle, her Jewish uncle, the king right away hung him. Like, who's this guy? You're disrespecting my wife? Like, wait, who are you? And then it goes, it makes me smile, right? Because then it goes a step further. To where he's like to his wife, to Esther, he's like, Whatever laws that he wrote concerning your people, the Jewish people, he's like, I want you to write your own laws to bypass whatever he did. And, and here's my, my, my signature mark. You just do whatever you want and here it is. Just go ahead. Like, I'm giving you the power to, to bypass whatever that dude did. And let's go back to her concern about entering her husband's presence did you not think your husband loves you? Like, did you think he was going to say, ew, you're Jewish, you know? And and I don't, you know? Like, what did she think he was going to say to be that fearful? And I just wonder if this blessed her marriage because then she probably, like, goes from, wait a minute. Look at how my husband just responded, like this guy was super disrespectful to me, he was abusing me, my people, and you just, you know, he was your best friend and you just hung him, you know what I mean? For disrespecting me. I mean, you disrespect a man's wife, right? I don't know. I just thought it was powerful. And I just thought I was thinking a lot about the Lord's favor. Like he can give favor. He gave favor to Joseph. And you know what was really cool is that I just recently did a podcast about like envy, envious eyes, right? About um, Leah and Rachel. They were the wives of Jacob. Israel. They were the wives of Jacob. And how like Leah was homely looking like she wasn't an attractive woman and she was uh, Rachel's older sister. And Jacob was in love with Rachel. He was madly in love with Rachel like he was a slave to her dad so that he could marry Rachel. But then the dad said, you can't marry Rachel unless you marry her sister as well because I have to give the oldest first. So the only way you can have the one you want is to marry this one first. And so Jacob is forced to marry Leah. And because the Lord knows that Leah's homely and she's hated, like Jacob doesn't want her. He, he, He rejects her. He doesn't want her but because the lord knows that he blesses leah the homely one's womb so she's the only one can, that can have his children so that he would get she would get some kind of love from being able to give him babies right and then the beautiful one rachel whom he really loves is incapable of having children and so the Lord kind of does this in fairness and justice. Like this one is rejected, but I have to give her a blessing of some kind to make it balance, right? And then what winds up happening is that Leia starts to get big headed about the fact that she's the only one that can have his kids. Like basically he's gonna love me more and be with me because I've had six children and you can't have even one. And when Lord sees this behavior of thought and action, he winds up blessing Rachel's womb so she finally can have her husband's baby. And you can imagine Jacob's madly in love with Rachel and she finally has his baby. Like that baby's spoiled. Like that's their baby. like madly in love with each other, our baby, right? And so this baby is Joseph. You have to really understand who this baby is. Rachel and Jacob's baby, they're madly in love with each other, is Joseph. Like I'm really meditating on this last night, how powerful this is. So, Leah's kids, the one that's homely, that was rubbing it in Rachel's face, her kids can't stand Joseph because of the favor he has by his dad, who loves his mother, right? And so, Joseph is thrown into a well by Leah's sons. They want him out of there, they're jealous of him. And then he's sold into slavery and his dad, Jacob, is like, what happened to my son? Well, his jealous brother sold him into slavery to get him out of here. And so Joseph, because he's favored, he gets jealousy all around him because of his favor, right? And he has to pay the price for the favor that he receives. He's thrown into prison. Um, I mean, he's thrown into a well. He's sold into slavery. And then he becomes an employee. Like, he works for a master. He's a slave. And he basically runs the master's stuff. Like, he runs his house. And his wife, the master's wife, Potiphar's wife is attracted and wants to have be intimate with Joseph like she wants him she keeps making advances at him and he's like declining her advances like i'm not going to disrespect my master and and be with his wife like he is righteous this woman's all over him and he de- declines her like i don't i don't want to touch you and he leaves he runs away and then this woman gets like butthurt. I guess that's not an appropriate word. She gets um offended that he won't be with her in an intimate relationship. So she basically reverses the story and says that he made advances on her and she refused him. And he gets thrown into prison by his master. And then I'm just thinking about favor again, right? Because then the Lord gives favor to him again while he's in prison because the guards know they can discern what's truly happening in the situation. And he winds up, um, getting favor with the prison guards while he's in prison. And then he winds up being able to interpret dreams and he's very wise, right? Who gives him the wisdom? The Lord does. And he winds up getting a very powerful role working for Pharaoh. Like he's, he's, he's going to prepare the kingdom for great famines, basically. Because he reads and interprets the Pharaoh's dream. And he tells the Pharaoh, basically, like, your dream means that you're going to do really well for like seven years. And then this whole kingdom is going to go into a great famine. So he's like, I think you should start storing and saving food and grain to prepare for this great famine that's going to happen in the next seven years. So he becomes like a political, like a, like an advisor. He's a consultant. He's got wisdom. And so he has this position of power where he's like basically like, you know, an advisor to the pharaoh. And then he winds up having this, um, what is it, a reunion with his brothers who threw him into slavery. And it's just really neat because he actually winds up forgiving them. He actually had one other brother that Rachel and Jacob had, his brother. I think it was Benjamin, I forget his name if I'm wrong. And he tests his brothers from, you know, the other marriage, Leah. Their, their mother was Leah, the, the homely one, right? They're the kids of Rachel, the pretty one that his, their father Jacob was in love with. And so he tests them to see if they had ill intentions towards his biological brother, like if they were going to hurt him too. And they found out that they wouldn't hurt him, like they, they loved his brother Benjamin. And so he spared them and he forgave them for what they did to him. And then there's this reunion where he's reunited with his biological dad. And he, and I guess in the story, he finds out that Lord used his suffering to help a nation. All the pain and the suffering that he endured, it served a purpose. God had a plan for it. God had, you know, God had willed something from the situation. That's powerful, you know. And I was reading scriptures last night. I don't know, I was reading some of Psalms, some of Isaiah, I read some of Esther, then I read some of, you know, I was going through with Genesis. But anyways, what I was thinking about was his sovereignty. I forget which verse it was, like no one can tell him what to do. You know, you can't tell the Lord what to do. You could pray all day. You could starve yourself, you could pray, you could fast, but ultimately, whatever happens is is God's will, right? It's Hashem's will. No amount of of praying is gonna change the Lord's will. If If it's destined, it's gonna happen. I mean, and you think about about David. Even David had favor, right? They said he was handsome and strong-looking, like he was handsome. You have favor, you're going to have people that hate you. But I think that, I, I guess, the point that I'm just meditating on is the power of Lord's favor and just really, really focusing on his sovereignty. It doesn't matter what they want to happen or not or what they don't want to happen it doesn't matter we saw this with trump when trump became the president and you had a bunch of people build this great big naked ugly statue of him naked to shame him did it change the lord's will that he was going to be the president did it change it didn't change anything all your hatred isn't going to change the plans of the lord You could throw clops of poo all over the place. Pick up dirt and, and just show how how angry you are and how, you know, you don't agree with this. And how this person, you know, they threw stuff. They went around San Francisco with this big, giant, naked statue of President Trump. Just showing hatred about how displeased they were with who was going to be the next president. Did it change anything? It didn't. It won't. You can slander somebody, lie, you know, even when they lied to, about Joseph coming onto that woman and he was thrown into prison, they eventually find out the truth, right? Did Potiphar's wife's lie against that man change his destiny? It didn't. It didn't.